In Trump time, truth, straight, no chaser, the definitive insider's account of the White House of Trump. Peter Navarro's In Trump Time War Room is brought to you by Getter, the Twitter killer. Sign up for Getter today and strike a blow against cancel culture. Getter, the Twitter killer, an ultimate in social media engagement. Now here's Dr. Peter Navarro deep in the D.C. swamp from the In Trump Time War Room. Hi, this is Peter Navarro, and welcome to episode four of the In Trump Time podcast. In this episode, I'm going to feature a couple of segments from the December 11th show I guest hosted for Steve Bannon's War Room Pandemic. In the first segment, I'm going to discuss the current assault by the Pelosi-led Democrat Congress on perhaps the most important pillar of effective presidential decision-making, the use of executive privilege to protect the ability of presidents to engage in confidential discussions with advisors as part of the decision-making process. Currently, Steve Bannon is in the crosshairs of a partisan witch hunt, otherwise known as the January 6th Committee. I myself have been targeted by another Democrat witch hunt on Capitol Hill that is falsely seeking to demonstrate that the Trump administration mishandled the pandemic. Of course, the goals of these partisan witch hunts are to shut up people like me and Steve and to go on a fishing expedition. In the second segment, Dr. Robert Malone and I will once again do a deep dive on the latest twists and turns of the pandemic that has been manufactured by the Chinese Communist Party with the help of one of the most evil people who has ever served in American government, Anthony Fauci. So please, enjoy this episode. Although enjoying it might not be the right word given the gravity of the topics. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and write a review. It will be much appreciated. So, as President Trump always loved to say, let's go. Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. But you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Sign up for Getter today and strike a blow against cancel culture. Getter, the Twitter killer, an ultimate in social media engagement. Getter is indeed the Twitter killer, and boy, do we need to kill Twitter. Uh, Yeah, we lost Dorsey. I I suppose that's a scalp, Uh, but the guy replacing him is going to be even worse. So get on Getter. Peter Navarro sitting in uh, for Stephen K. Bannon, who is on an assignment. And I regret to tell you that this was a really bad week for the Republic. Uh, It was a very bad week for how our government is organized. We had a complete breakdown, essentially, of all three branches of our government. Uh, At the executive level, 
the White House, what did it do? Once again, it kowtowed to the Chinese. It put on a little diplomatic boycott um, of the of the Beijing Olympics in 2022, which is like it's like that's like doing nothing. And they got no love from the rest of the world. No surprise there. Um, Congress. Mm, oh, my. Oh, my, my, my. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, you're killing me. You're killing us. You're killing this country. You, what, what is with the people of Kentucky that they keep electing that guy? That guy is so out of touch with anything I know about the state of Kentucky. Um, I, but yet they keep sending this guy back. Mortal blow, really, to the republic at the congressional uh, level and economy. I'm going to address that um, in the B block, uh, but in this block now, it's it was a total meltdown uh, of our judicial branch um, when uh, the uh, appeals court came out with a total partisan decision echoing a total partisan witch hunt uh, regarding uh, the uh, January 6th uh, uh, event violence, what, what happened on Capitol Hill. Um, now here's the thing that before I talk about the, the very important legal and judicial significance of the proceedings that are revolving around, uh, that January 6th, uh, event with Stephen K. Bannon being among others, um, at the center of that, along with former chief of staff, Mark Meadows and president Trump, um, let's do a little civics 101. It's like, let's think about how government is supposed to work. Like at the executive branch, what's supposed to happen is that fully informed voters are supposed to go to the polls, cast their ballots, and the person who gets elected is, is supposed to effectively uh, represent the, the median voter, the, the essential uh, essence uh, of the country at the time that that election uh, is taken, okay? That, okay, think about that, okay? In Congress, now let's think about that. You got Jefferson and you got Madison with respect to how Congress is spoke to work. It's like Congress in the Jeffersonian model, it's like whoever represents their district or their state at the Senate level is supposed to basically reflect the will of the people in that district or the state, if you're kind of the Madisonian model, it's like the person who goes there um, is not necessarily going to reflect uh, what the people are telling them. They, they, they have some discretion using their broader judgment. You know, the underlying elitist assumption is that they're smarter than the people. That's why they got there. Um, so that's how that's supposed to work. And then, then the judicial branch is like these people, once you put robes on them, it's like all they're supposed to do um, is to follow the law, right? And if, if it's kind of like conservative, strict construction, they're supposed to just follow the law. If you've got kind of the, the more liberal kind of view, it's like, well, you've got like, to have the law evolve in ways uh, that meet the more modern times. Okay, that, that's like... Civics 101. So what do we got here? And, and by the way, this is a week where if you're not strong, you're going to wind up in the fetal position, kind of crying and never want to get involved in anything. But if you're if you're if 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 you're action, 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 war room posse, this this just steals your spine because 
there's a lot of throwdowns this week on all three branches of government. So how does it really work? Well, let's see. In the executive branch, uh, we had a grand stuff the ballot box strategy that put an illegitimate president in um, at the White House. And not surprisingly, he's not performing well and doing things that are exactly against the will of the median voter, that is, uh, the American people writ large. Um, Congress, how does that work? Well, uh, okay, <laughs> a little money 101. Um, basically, um, Kevin McCarthy in the House, Mitch McConnell, uh, they're grifters, they're pimps, they're hucksters. What they do is raise money from corporate America, use that money to help elect people who will put them in positions of power um, and the people be damned. Um, and then the judges, it's like whoever winds up in power in any given thing gets to appoint judges. And so if it's like Republican judges, they're supposed to have fealty and partisanship um, with respect to uh, that set of principles or corporate interests. And on the Democrat side, that's the way it works. And we're seeing this play out with this latest decision by an appeals court related to the Jan 6 event. And uh, Denver, if you could just uh, tee up that clip now, uh, that would be appreciated. See coming. This BS about the elections and the steal and, and, and all of the stuff, it's not a lie. It's a choice by Republicans. Absolutely. There's a lie behind the big lie, uh, Ali. And that lie is that this country must remain a white nation in the vein of old Europe. What draw, what draw oh, give me a hallelujah. Give me a hallelujah. I, I, look, how can that crap, how can that crap be on a major cable network? I mean, come on, come on. Everything has to be racist. Okay, let me break this down for you, okay? Here's what happened on January 6th. There was a legitimate attempt to bring this country to its senses in that, hey, that election was likely stolen. Let's take a look at it before we certify it. The big lie is everything else, right? And so what we have now um, is a really interesting situation where this committee on Capitol Hill has been formed. And the original sin of this committee goes to the blow-dried hair of Kevin McCarthy, who woke up in a chess match and started playing checkers and decided that out of peak, he was not going to put any true Republicans on that committee. So we got Liz Cheney, yeah, but there's, it's a partisan, partisan committee. What, what is the objective of that partisan committee, right? What they're trying to do is go on a fishing expedition, find out anything they can to wrap some kind of blame around the president's neck or the or the people who were advising him with respect to the violence that happened on that that's the mission that's their mission what are they willing to do in terms of pursuing that mission what they're willing to do is take a neutron bomb to one of the most important aspects of the executive branch which is executive privilege. What's executive privilege? It's the concept that a president has the right to keep information confidential 
so that informed decisions can be made within the Oval Office, within the Situation Room, within the East Wing, within the Roosevelt Room, within the Cabinet Room, wherever those decisions get made, the President should have the ability to hear different points of view, take in different kinds of information, and be able to keep that as privileged as he or eventually she seems fit. That's the whole notion of executive privilege. Now, here's what's going on here. And to, to me, this is a fascinating legal case. If you go back to the, the, the case uh, of Nixon, right, it was, it was established that the president has the right for this. If you go back to Washington, George, that is, the first president, the whole notion of executive privilege began there, and the chief executive had the right in those circumstances to release information if he or she deemed it in the public good. So if you just go on that principle alone, there's no public good that can be served by a partisan commission which is on a witch hunt. So right off the bat, President Trump um, has asserted the privilege. Now, here's what I find fascinating about this whole aspect here. Um, th there's a couple of things going on. One is that, is that there's a whole body uh, of law, rulings by the Justice Department, executive orders, basically, that have, that have had a ping-pong ball effect on whether the sitting president can override the privilege of a former president. I find this to be insane, okay? I mean, on the face of it, it's just plain stupid. A sitting president never should be able to overrule the privilege of a former president because all that does is invite more partisanship, which is exactly what you have in this case. Biden has an agenda, right? What he wants to do is he wants to hide the fact that that election was stolen and he wants to blame the violence on President Trump. What President Trump wanted to happen on January 6th, and it required, it required peace and calm. That's the Green Bay sweep that Steve and I have talked a lot about. All he wanted was peace and calm and to, and to have the vice president as president of the Senate exercise his constitutional right to remand those votes back to the states so that they could be looked at once again with respect to the issue of fraud and election integrity. The decision that got made was by an appeals court which had three judges on it. Guess how many of those judges were appointed by Trump? Yeah, you're right, zero. Two of them by Obama, one of them by Biden, all you get in that decision is an echo chamber, an echo chamber, an echo chamber of the big lie they're telling and the obligatory legal arguments that don't hold water but are nonetheless in support of Joe Biden being able to unwind the president of Donald John Trump. It's insane. Now, 
couple more things here. One of the things that bothers me is Meadows, Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff. When he decided to start negotiating with the committee, he gave up the high ground. Okay, he went from the high ground to Pickett's charge. Just damn stupid. The other thing I'll tell you about this, and this goes to a problem uh, that I've talked a lot about, which is the bad personnel we had in the White House. You had two lawyers arguing the president's case, and the other side had probably 30 or 40. It's all right there. So this is the disintegration of the judicial branch. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the disintegration of the legislative branch when we get back. Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. Christmas is coming. There's always one book you got to read. This year, it's Peter Navarro's book, which is in Trump time. Get it through Amazon. Get it right now. This is the best book you're going to read. I couldn't put it down. The chapter on Mike Pence, I read it twice. Chapter on Fauci's unbelievable. The guy was there from the beginning. He was there with Lewandowski from day one, right to the end, never missed a day from the campaign, right through the final day on January 20th. Peter Navarro's book, In Trump Time, must read for deplorables, must read if you really want the truth about what went on during that pandemic in the White House, in Trump Time. Dr. Peter Navarro, get it on Amazon, get it now. It'll also make a great Christmas gift. I couldn't wait. I, I just I just got mine immediately. Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. We are going to talk about arguably the most important policy issue facing this country now. At some point, um, I'm hoping I get a little cold open clip from Denver um, that had Ali Velchi <laughs> talking with Francis Collins, um, making the case uh, that um, everybody in the world should get vaccinated, only the unvaccinated are dying and that uh, how can we possibly not uh, abide uh, by, the, uh, by the vax mandate? Um, the, the one thing I should say about the clip, uh, once we get it, is what, what the hell is Francis Collins still out there giving us advice? Let's, uh, let's remember that Francis Collins, the head of the NIH, and Anthony Fauci, one of his minions inside that vast bureaucracy, were directly responsible for creating the pandemic by lifting the ban on gain-of-function experiments in 2017 behind the back of the Trump administration and then funneling American taxpayer money through cutouts like Peter Daszak, Ralph Barrick, and the friggin' Bat Lady of Wuhan, and, you know, guess what? We got a pandemic out of that. Um, hit me with that clip, Denver. We, we knew a vaccine was coming, but we didn't actually have it. it, it it's this weekend, a year ago, that we got a vaccine, a, a free vaccine that saves your life. At some juncture, I've been talking to people this week who say, you know, we're just going to live with this, this virus forever. Like, it's just, it's just going to be with us. But there's no reason for that actually to be the case. This is now becoming a choice. Absolutely. Science has been just amazingly responsive to this worst pandemic in more than a century. And yet somehow we haven't figured out how to help people take full advantage of that. We could be in a much better place right now if we had 90 percent or 95 percent of our population vaccinated and a bunch of people also getting the booster. But somehow we've missed that opportunity. Delta is taking full advantage of that. Those people who are dying every day, more than a thousand, almost all of them unvaccinated, unnecessary deaths. And 
<laughs> okay. I'm just trolling you, Doc Malone. Let's bring in Dr. Robert Malone now. Let's remember that Dr. Robert Malone is the scientist who, I think back in the 80s, invented the RNA technology, which is being used uh, today for these faux vaccines. So he's anything but anti-vax. Doc, um, the floor is yours. What say you to um, Francis Collins and Ali Velchi? So today's theme, thanks, Peter, is vaccine nation. It's how we've all just become slightly uh, crazy with uh, this logic that the only solution, the only way out is the jab. And uh, this, this clip is a great example. Now, you noted that Francis Collins, not only should he not be speaking on behalf of the NIH because of the history, and by the way, Glenn Beck has really outed this whole thing. Uh, most recently on Tucker Carlson's, there's a fantastic clip where he's found clear documentation that goes pre-pandemic of the deal between NIH and Moderna to make this corona vaccine. So they were, they were, they had a secret this, agreement. This dates back so a while, clear. right? Doc, yeah, the, the, they had the, a, uh, how, how far back 20, does late, it date pre-pandemic? Late 20, this, this particular document that Glenn Beck is now focusing on is uh, late 2019. And this is a secret deal, apparently, that, and it's all coming out because of the, we're having a cat fight between Moderna, a legal cat fight between Moderna and NIH about who gets the money and who gets credit for this in terms of the patents. So, and so, so, so things are fragmenting. So let's do the timeline real the quick for the... coming out. Yeah, let's do the timeline real quick. Uh, 2014, I believe, Obama administration bans gain-of-function experiments that can turn a harmless bat virus into the kind of virus we have now because it was dangerous, right? Fauci and Collins in 2017 uh, worked to lift the ban by going through the back door um, of the White House behind President Trump's back. And then you're saying, Doc, in 2019, before the pandemic gets unleashed on us, Moderna cuts a deal with NIH to actually make a vaccine in case the pandemic gets resolved, and then we have the pandemic. I, I think I've got that right. Doc, but what, what for, say you I, do? I, I, I would ahead. be a little more aggressive. I would say that they already knew that this thing was going to hit the fan, and they were cooking the confidential business arrangement and signing the documents before the president apparently had any awareness that this was going to happen. I, I can vouch from inside the White House that we were never briefed on anything related to, to, to um, the gain-of-function experiments or that uh, possibility. But, but, Doc, what say you to the claim um, by Collins in the clip that only people who are unvaccinated are dying, number one, and number two, that we would be, quote, better off if we had over 90% vax. Take those two sequentially head on with your best science. So the data don't support Mr. Collins uh, or Dr. Collins' comments. And again, remember, he stepped down. He is no longer the head of NIH. I don't know what he's doing shooting off his mouth here. Um, and it's just, I guess, because they haven't, uh, they, they're no longer comfortable with using Tony as a surrogate. 
Also remember that Velshi works for Microsoft NBC. He works for a Bill Gates organization. We got to be clear on that one. Okay. But in terms of Colin's assertion, this is just false. Uh, they, they continue to lie and they're, they have no, uh, the, there's Doc, I, give me some data on this. Give me some data on this because there's two claims here. One is that only the unvaccinated are dying and that Trump people are dying at a higher rate than Biden people. What, what, what say you? What, what's what's the data so there, say about there mortality is, rates there? So I don't have the latest mortality rates at my fingertips. I apologize. I wasn't prepared for that. But um, he's right that we're having over a thousand daily deaths. He's wrong that they are only in the unvaccinated. Uh, the, it's very clear that Delta is breaking through and causing significant disease and some death in the vaccinated population. And we now know looking forward that Omicron, which is substantially displacing Delta, cuts right through the vaccinated. Good news is that it's not nearly as lethal as Delta is. And so in many, many people make the point that Omicron is going to act in many ways like a live attenuated vaccine and uh, is probably what we can expect is that most of us are likely to become infected with Omicron this winter. Um, and you shouldn't be scared of that because the data show that it is uh, in South Africa. Every physician that's spoken on this has said that they are not seeing significant disease and death from Omicron. But in terms of Collins blanket statement, hey, hang on, all, let me let me let me ask you, are, hang on. You said something yeah. that I want to focus right on. You said said it's Omicron is going to act as a live attenuated vaccine. What do you mean by that? Break that down. So the most effective vaccines historically, like, for instance, the smallpox vaccine, yellow fever vaccine, etc., polio vaccine have been live attenuated viruses. These are viruses that are mutated through a variety of methods so that they don't cause severe disease, but they're very infectious. And they have been historically administered as vaccines and have been the most effective because they give a broad-based immunity, both T cell and B cell, against all the antigens, all the proteins, etc., that are made by these viruses, as opposed to the Remember uh, back in the day when I came up with this idea, the logic was that we could use gene therapy to produce an immune response similar to that from a live attenuated virus. The problem is that with this version that the NIH has engineered as Pfizer has engineered, what we have is something that is extremely narrow. It's just expressing the spike protein. And even though I was fact-checked months ago on this by my friends at Reuters, it's very clear now that the spike protein is biologically active, even the one in the vaccine. And so that's where we're getting these part of these adverse events. But uh, in terms of, of what I'm talking about, this new Omicron virus, which is highly infectious and has very high replication burst size, which suggests that it's less likely to be Effect, uh, affected by the new uh, Merck drug. Uh, it, it is associated with very uh, mild disease, according to all reports from South Africa and the rest of the world. Now, fascinatingly, 
in the C recent CDC report, a very large fraction, I think almost all of the cases reported with Omicron in the United States to date are in vaccinated persons. There is a concern that the vaccines may be enhancing infectivity in a unique way of this Omicron variant. We'll see that play out. But the good news is, if, if you want to look for silver linings, and I always do, it, 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 a case can be made that as people, as Omicron sweeps across the nation, which it will, no matter whether they do the third jab or not, uh, no matter whether or not you have optimal mask use, this will sweep across the nation this winter. It's already displacing Delta, which in some ways is a good thing because Delta is more pathogenic. But after you recover from this, if you had not been previously infected, or if you had had the jab, which produces a narrow immune response, you're likely going to have a much broader immune response, more akin to that elicited by a live attenuated vaccine. Did that make sense, Peter? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How does um, like Omicron displace Delta? I mean, what's the virology of that? Uh, what, 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 what is, what's going on there? So, so this is, uh, for virologists, this is really fun stuff. Uh, it's, I'm sorry if it sounds a little oh, twisted. You are macabre, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, these, these uh, different isolates battle uh, each other for dominance uh, genetically and in terms of reproduction within the population. Remember, they're parasites. We are their food. We're their hosts. They compete genetically, even though they have no brain. They compete evolutionarily for the host. And uh, what's happening with Omicron, Delta very aggressively outcompeted the earlier strains because it has a larger burst size. It produces much more virus when it infects you. Whether or, not you're in, whether or not you're previously vaccinated, you have the same high levels of virus reproduction in your nasal and oropharynx with Delta. Okay, so that was a big one. So that allowed Delta to push the other strains out. Now, Omicron seems to be even more infectious, even more replicating at an even higher level, higher burst size. And so it's All able right, to out. Hold, hold that thought. When we come back, I want to ask you, uh, can you have both of them at the same time? And, and then you and I are going to write an op-ed on the air that's going to get published in about 10 days. That should be fun for the audience. Um, Peter Navarro will be right back with Dr. Robert Malone in Stephen K. Bannon's War Room. This segment of the In Trump Time podcast is brought to you by Steve Bannon's War Room. Join Bannon's War Room posse and get tomorrow's news today. All signal, no noise. Bannon's War Room. Uh, let's get right back to Doc, Doc Malone here. When we, uh, we left last segment, Doc, um, two questions. Um, can you get can you get Delta and Omicron at the same time? And you were talking how Omicron is going to help us build um, these live attenuated vaccine immunities, which would be a really good thing to getting us to herd immunity without having vaccinations. And then the other part of that is, do you think the Omicron was bred by the fact um, that we are vaccinating people and that that Omicron is vax resistant? So the answer on the answer on dual infection is a definite maybe, uh, probably unlikely just because of the uh, events 
the rare event rates of exposure to the virus, or otherwise we would all be infected right now. In terms of, uh, um, let's see, I'm blanking again on your second question. The, the vaccine resistance is like Omicron oh, yeah. just pops okay, yeah. up. So, it seems to so attack vac- people who have the vaccine. Is it? Is there, it there go ahead. Multiple, multiple hypotheses for the origin of Omicron. Uh, one is that it had moved back into animals in Africa and then back into humans. I don't see that one um, making a whole lot of sense. Another one is that it developed in HIV immunosuppressed. That's a possibility, but it seems unlikely because the uh, event of vaccination is rare in, in that region if it actually emerged from there. And uh, the most likely, let's hope, is that it was the consequence of of evolution in the pressure of vaccination. But we still have to keep open the formal possibility because this looks so divergent from all prior virus strains that are currently circulating that it could have been the consequence of uh, yet another laboratory engineering event, let's say. This would be the, the second salvo from the Chinese Communist Party uh, from the Wuhan lab funded by Tony Fauci. And yes, Francis Collins, get the hell off the air, Francis. Just go home in disgrace. Get the hell out of NIH. That would yeah, be a great so, present uh, so, for us. So now, if, hang on, Doc, because I got a gift if it for was you. engineered, he blew it because it's yeah. less pathogenic. Or maybe they're guilty and this is something they're doing to try to uh, um, resurrect <laughs> the Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's my Christmas present to you. Uh, Denver, let's put the graphics up that Doc Malone wanted. Walk us uh, quickly through uh, what you want to explain um, with these, these graphics. Uh, they're uglier than, uh, than you certainly are, uh, but they're on the screen now. Tell us what's, uh, what that message is. So what's happened, and it's caused a 6%, well, 5.5% drop in Moderna's stock price. So this is breaking news. And the press, once again, has missed the, uh, has buried the lead. Uh, there has been disclosure by Moderna, and these are actually confidential slides from their investor presentation, is that they yeah. rolled out the data on their flu vaccines. So this is the first time we have a chance to really compare uh, the efficacy and adverse events of a Moderna vaccine using their technology, but with a, not a spike but a different antigen. And so what we got about 60 seconds to work through. There's four of those plates here. What's up in the upper, upper left. No, let's let's just, let's just go really quick. This is the efficacy data. And so if we look at older adults and we compare the MRNA on the left in flu zone, which is a, a classic flu vaccine, we see that actually the MRNA is working less effectively, particularly against, uh, the B strains. Now, here's the next slide is what matters. If we look at the 100 microgram uh, column, this is adverse events. This is, does the vaccine cause harm? This is Moderna without spike, okay? And you need to compare the placebo versus 100 microgram because that's the dose that's used in the Moderna vaccine for SARS-CoV-2. You can see, for instance, the right-hand panel for those greater than 50, which are the only ones that should be receiving the, the uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, we've got 52% of the people having grade two adverse events. Um, Whoa, baby, versus, 52%? Versus 8% in the placebo. 
So what that teaches wow. us is it's not just Spike. There is major problems with the safety of the Moderna technology when expressing flu antigens and not expressing Spike. That is a bombshell. Now, what we're going to do in our, in, our, in our editorial is we're going to focus on flu nation and, um, and, that, and vaccine, I'm sorry, seconds, vaccine Doc. nation. And the, the main thing is that these people have all drank the Kool-Aid and they think that the only solution that we have for infectious disease outbreaks is universal vaccination of the whole world within three months. And you can see that in a, wa in a Washington Post op-ed uh, that quotes Barney Frank, formerly from the Vaccine Research Center. At NIH. All right, Doc, we got we to gotta hold it right there. Stay tuned, War Room, for the op-ed that the Doc and I are going to do. Stay here for the next hour. We're going to have a heck of a special on transhumanism. You are in the War Room, Stephen K. Bannon. Just hang on. Transhumanism next. In Trump time is the definitive insider's account of the Trump White House. Spoiler alert. Fauci lied, Americans died. Pence betrayed Trump. China spawned the virus. CNN has blood on its hands. And I'm just getting started. In Trump time, my White House Journal of America's Plague Year. Buy in Trump time today on Amazon and find out what really happened on November 3rd, January 6th, and in a Wuhan bioweapons lab.